What's up, everyone? This episode of Power Spike is brought to you by who? Oh, that's right. Trolley Sour Bright Crawlers. Who else would it be brought to you by? The multi-flavored <laughs> sour gummies that want nothing more for you to chew their delicious sour heads and bodies into pieces. I hear it all the time in my interviews how much you enjoy the ASMR of eating at the very beginning of the interview. So there you go. Thank you so much, Trolley. For you know, supporting us out here, I love how disgusting everything about Trolley is in terms of the imagery. They taste delicious, obviously, but the worms they have like, I think they have like octopi that you can eat. It's yep. just, it's just great. It's just great. <laughs> they have, uh, they have the like the gusher style one with the liquid inside. So when you bite mm. into them, you know, it's super good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our friends over at Trolley. Oh man, I'm just gonna eat like four or five of them uh, today. I joined Monty in the uh, in the in the sleeveless club, right? Monty is the first one that came in. He was like, "Oh yeah, I had um, M- M- MMA practice or jujitsu practice earlier." And he Muay was Thai. like, yeah. "Muay Thai, sorry, 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 Muay Thai." And he was all guns out. So today, <laughs> I, I figured I'd I'd join him, which means next week it's Dom's turn. It's just yep. how it works. <laughs> Dom's on the yep. gym grind. He told me. He told me. Yeah, we are. We're doing it. <laughs> Everybody's on the gym grind. <laughs> yep. Have to. Have to. How's it going? It, you know, it, I think when you talk about the grind, it begets more grind. Yeah. I mean, I've just been, you know, just, just going through it. Like just making sure that I, that I do it every day for long periods of time. I mean, this is like my time like off where things slow down. So this is the time where I can maximize everything. All right, I love it. How channel my my discipline from uh, waking up at three a.m., which has actually just ruined my fucking life at this point. LPL has ruined my life. I cannot sleep past five a.m. It's like impossible. I just wake up five a.m. regardless. I could go to sleep at like one. I'm waking up at five, and I'm just do ready you, to go. Do you do you now just get up at five and do your your run and your rocky training montage? Uh, no, I right do it at seven fifteen. I don't like doing it when it's dark. Oh, you know, okay. I, I'm doing it like seven fifteen, right as like the sun is up. Nice, yeah. beautiful. I love it. I'm listening to like '90s rap during it. It's it's been it's been good. <laughs> that was my next question. What is your workout playlist, Monty? What is on your uh, workout playlist? Uh, well, first off, I, I do Muay Thai, so I don't have a workout playlist. No, um, but you don't you don't listen to me. You don't work out other than Muay Thai. No, well, if I when I do, it's like uh, basically like CrossFit style stuff. Oh. So. No, I don't. I don't have my own. I listen to whatever garbage. You know what? You know who has the worst taste in music ever? CrossFit people. I was gonna holy say CrossFit. Moly, holy moly! Like it's insufferable. What is it? It's just like dance music and like just. It's it's basically like dance music, but really terrible dance music and really terrible mashups of songs. I don't know. It, it's it's really a problem. It's really, the cro- CrossFitters are a problem, guys. You guys are a problem. Um, okay. And your musical tastes are fucking terrible. Uh, so yeah, that's, I don't actually ever listen cause I'm usually engaged in like sparring or an actual class. So I'm not actively listening to music. Damn. Well, <laughs> what a dog. Who's your what, rank your nineties rappers? I mean, I, I haven't even been listening to like specific rappers. I've been going through like just saw, like I've been finding pretty much what I've been doing is I've been finding like the originals of things that have been sampled and like newer music and the thing that's crazy to me is just how much more effort was put into like music back then because you oh, couldn't yeah. release it as easily you know like to distribute your music you had to 
make good music than get somebody to distribute it. Now you can just upload on SoundCloud. So like now we have so much dog shit. It's all about like how much you can fucking put out as opposed to just like trying to create masterpieces. So I've been trying to find like the early masterpieces, you know? Good. I I, I approve. Go back to Jay-Z, Notorious B.I.G. I've been like I've been listening to some some interesting ones. I've been listening to some <laughs> interesting ones. So have you guys ever heard of uh, Souls of Mischief? No, no. Have you ever, you've probably heard the the instrumental 93 to infinity. That's um, one um, I've been listening to like quite a bit. I think that one is is yeah, like just this is like just old, old type of stuff I've been listening to. And then I've been listening to another guy named Lord Finesse. He has a mm. record Lord. Uh, it's hip to the game is the, the record. It's just so fire. This song is like it's crazy. And it was actually sampled in the Mac Miller song Kool-Aid and Frozen Pizza, which I always it always resonated with me. It was a song that uh came out and just like it was on that kids album where he talks about like, yeah, we're just in like motherfucking kids that came out and we're just like doing our thing. We don't know what's really going on. And it it was right around the time where I was traveling. I told this story on stream, but it was right around the time where I was like traveling to all these tournaments. Um, I think it was like 21. And that's exact. It resonated with me because that's exactly how I felt. I was like, damn, like I'm just like some fucking kid that was in college and now I'm just in Ukraine, you know, no manager or anything, just competing, you know, trying to like chase the dream. So always like that record. Uh, 93, whatever that one. I, I've definitely heard that one before. I can't remember what I've heard it from, but I've, I've probably J. Cole freestyle. He did one. Oh, on LA that's Lakers. what it was. Yes, it is the J. Cole freestyle. Everyone right. knows it from that. And then that, it triggers me. It's like, oh, this is the J. Cole. I'm like, no, motherfucker. It's like, that's the that's the, the originals from 1993. Like, I think it was actually recorded in 92. Like, man, oh, it's so crazy. And now we just listen to bullshit that was created in 45 seconds. And, and now it's TikTok viral. And yeah, that's all right. Don't worry. AI music is coming for you, Dom. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Just for you. <laughs> Uh, for me, I have the, uh, oh, it's the, I think I might have talked to you about this before, Monty. It's the OGN Winter 2012 uh-huh. hype video song, uh, uh-huh. Fool's Rhythm. Uh, yep. And it was like when the players were coming out, it was like, it wasn't the video of the, like the the hype video it was before that when they're showing the rosters so the stadium goes dark yeah and then they show the rosters really quick and it's like the rosters were like flash 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 because that's uh-huh. the that's the tempo of the song it's like uh well i can't sing it but it, it's it's just a beat it is so good it was that one <laughs> there is a faker montage highlight on the old uh youtube this group is called um uh, uh machinima do you remember Machinima? There was like a faker yeah. montage. It was the first one ever. They used a song called Skeptics by Le Matre, which was really good. And then after that, it's a mix of video game music, Killer Mike, Dashboard, Confessional, Skrillex, and all this other stuff. But those two were like league-specific type songs that just... Only Killer Mike, not there. Run the Jewels as well? Uh, I have Run the Jewels, but not in this playlist. No, oh, okay. it's... Uh, yeah, it was a uh, kryptonite. I used to listen to it when I was playing football in high school. It was like, I was like, all right, cool. That's what we did. So anyway, all right. That was a good uh, rundown memory lane of (laughs) our workouts. Let's hop into our first segment of the day. We've got some high key, low key, no key about a long lost relative friend. Friend. We'll go with friend that we've forgotten about as all the other leagues have been taken the center stage. It's the LEC. Ooh, let me try to remember. 
I, I'm not using League Media. The LEC season finals. Is that right? You did it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Not championship. Not yeah. In the not in regional the, qualifier. It's just season finals. Yes. In our run of show, it says the LEC championship teams and i was like oh that's not it that's not it all right right. let's get into it (laughs) hockey loki noki of the lec season finals so remember season finals doesn't mean the finals of the season finals it's actually the quarterfinals of the lec season finals I'm going to just do, do that to mess everyone up. And what they're are seeded based off of not their season. I know you would think they might be seated off of season points, but they're seated off of championship points. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's not the championship, guys. It's the season. Fi- the season final is seated off of championship points. Yes. Oh, Makes man. perfect sense to me. <laughs> <Flawless system. laughs> you know, I- I would have thought that Germans would be a little bit more technical about all of this instead of just having it be a logically flawed mess. But here we are. (laughs) Here we are. All right. Let's dive on into it. Two matches this upcoming weekend in the form of uh, G2 and BDS, as well as Mad Lions Excel. And then after that, it's just stretched out, super stretched out in terms of matches. They don't finish until September 10th. That is just crazy how much more time Golden Guardians has to beat the shit out of whoever well, uh, qualifies. It, it's like yep. I mentioned on this show previously um, that the NA team literally can go to Worlds or go to Korea right now, boot camp with all the Worlds teams for a month, and then come back to America to face off against their European opponents. If, if it even is in America, which is still like uh, apparently the there's air. rumors that it might yeah. be in Korea. Yes. Oh, well, that would make more sense, honestly, which yeah. would be be even better for the, yeah, the exactly. American the that, team. So, yeah, no, I mean, I would definitely put it in Korea. That way, you know, at least neutral. the European team can go there. It's a neutral lo- location. They can go there for the European team can go there for a week or two prior to the the actual event and at least get some boot camping time in because um, there's not going to be anybody to practice with in Europe prior, you know, once season finals ends and before the whatever it is, the world's qualifying series. That's what it's called. Keep track I, of all this shit, man. So, so yes, Dom is right. I've heard that the it is changed location from Europe to NA to Korea to NA back to Korea again. I've heard it's bounced that many times. Uh, and then also and also it still I, doesn't have a date. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I feel like this just feels bad because no matter who wins or who loses, there's always an excuse. If you if you win and you're Europe, you're like, you know, haha, you spent all that time and over there and all that money and all that expense just to go home after two weeks. And they're like, well, we, you know, had to wait for too long to play the game. And if you lose, you have that built in excuse on the opposite side. It doesn't it doesn't feel great. Um, but anyway. All right. So you have those matches going on for the next month. What are let's reset our expectations here in terms of our teams. We had G2 as the number one seed, Mad Lines the number two seed, BDS as the number three seed, and surprise of the summer, Excel is the number four seed with Fnatic and SK sitting at five and six. Um, who are you? Uh, again, I'm passing off the low key definition here or the 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 segment definition here to Monty. What are we high king, low king, and no king? Uh, the expectations for these teams. So expectations for success. So which team should be most successful, middle successful, and least successful out of the six teams that we have? All right. Let's start here with the no keys. No fun. 
who will have the least success? I think it's going to be BDS. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I think BDS is going to have a rough time because they play against G2. And then, so from what we saw in the summer split, it seems like XL is legitimately actually one of the best teams in Europe right now. So if G2 and XL end up winning, Mad Lions has more points than BDS, meaning that, uh, yeah, BDS, if they lose, they're just literally playing against Fnatic. So um, I think BDS, they probably just lose to G2, then lose to Fnatic, and that's it. That's their whole season. And I expect Fnatic to actually make it out. So um, Because you're expecting XL to beat Mad Lions, and because Mad Lions is a higher seed, therefore they will... They will be like facing SK. SK. Yeah, yeah. I see the logic there. Yeah, so th- that that's my logic on that. I think BDS, they're, they were looking bad. I mean, are I guess them and MAD were the lowest ranked teams coming into this um, from summer. And I just think that their road is too hard. I think their road is too hard. Like G2, I don't think there's a chance they beat G2. And I think Fnatic, even if they have a bad day, they they looked more solid than than BDS towards the end. So... That would be my prediction. I'm I'm saying BDS no key excited for that. I think the other problem with BDS is that the way in which they were winning, uh, particularly in the spring split, was so much around Zeri and Jinx and yeah. putting Crowny on these hyper carries. And we just saw some weird Filios. pivots. Yeah, Philios. And we just saw some weird pivots from them, like really going for the Samira at times, which, you know... I just don't, I'm not sure this meta is really going to do them any favors. It felt like they were patch zerging really hard on spring after what we saw in summer. And once those kind of champions and, and play styles went into the background, we weren't able to see them revive in, in kind of a meaningful way. And at least in this meta, there are a lot of like, you know, carry mid laners that are available. Like we're not playing utility mids anymore. And the question is like, you know, are we going to see some good performances on, you know, Nuke, Nuke did play some Jace and some Tristan in summer, but his his success wasn't overwhelming, right? And are we going to see him be able to, like, pump out the damage or provide the versatility that you need in the draft from the mid lane? Because it just feels like right now mid lane is, y- you have a lot of options, and the rest of the team also has to have flexibility to play around you. Like, you have to have pick up your AP somewhere else if you're going to be playing a Tristana or Jace in the mid lane, right? Uh, whether that's coming from your jungle position and, and doing like a demonic embrace Maokai, or you you have hybrid damage from say like a, you know, a Kai'Sa in the bot lane, or you're playing an AP champion, like a Gwen in the top lane. Um, you know, it, it you really do have to have pretty deep champion pools across your roster to put all the pieces together and to play all of the meta picks right now. And that was never really BDS's identity, right? They played they played well in spite of their weaknesses through some pronounced strengths, but I just don't know, like, are we going to see the Adam pop-offs on Olaf in this meta? It feels really unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think also like Olaf and Darius, the the issue was that in spring, there wasn't that many good counters to these, these picks. Like everyone was just playing Cassante. And now that Renekton's in the picture, it's like, are you going to waste the ban on Renekton? If not, Renekton kind of just counters those champions. Um, also, it seems like top laners are just better at playing Jax now because Jax was reworked at the beginning of the year. The R was reworked, um, and a lot of people took time to adapt to it. The play patterns changed uh, on Jax. Your ability to all in post six became a lot better, uh, provided you're able to actually hit the ult. And you know now there's just I think there's just too many champions for 
for Adam um, that, that are just bad matchups for him uh, compared to before where it felt like every time he picks Olaf, you could pick him blind. Like people tried Akshan, they tried all these random champions, but it never actually felt like these champions were good enough to, to punish you. Also in the mix is Rumble. I think Rumble with Ignite just beats his champion pool um, as well. It's been essentially buffed for top lane uh, since the rework to Rumble. So I just think that he's less effective as a player. Nuke can't pick up champions to save his life. They're banning LeBlanc on blue side from the beginning of the split. Uh, they're going to be banning it uh, as well, probably versus Caps every single game. Probably the same versus Humanoid, unless they think Humanoid won't play it because Fnatic was banning it themselves. But it just doesn't feel like he's good at picking up new champions. It feels like he has his own champions that he wants to play. He wants to play like Syndra, Cassio. You know, he can try to work a, a Jason or, or Tristana, but it's not going to be a good Jace or Tristana. It's just going yeah. to be like a serviceable, like, oh, I'm kind of like doing my role, but that's never what you want to see out of Nuke. And then the biggest issue for this team was that Shao fell off massively. I mean, he was doing great in the Vi Wukong meta. Things changed. Now we have more utility junglers, tanks. He, he, it seems like his idea of how fights should play out and, and where people are, like his awareness has just gone down. I don't know if that's from him not playing as much solo queue or just not being comfortable um, in the team or like comfortable with the team comps that he's playing. All this combined, I just think is spelling for like just a, a BDS doom story. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I agree. With, I agree with Dom. And it, it really is just a factor of the meta. It's like earlier this year, if you were really good at playing through bot lane with these hyperscaling ADCs, a lot of teams would just straight up win games like that. And it was more of, can you play a single style and hone it really, really well? And right now, the meta is just incredibly diverse. And so deep champion pools and flexibility across the roster, I feel are the keys that are winning a lot of games across regions. I think that's also one of the reasons why LNG did particularly well in the LPL playoffs this time around, because they do have, uh, you know, a large amount of flexibility, right? And we've seen that from, from teams like KT as well. So this meta... I really just think is is the anathema of BDS that had very like they had very pronounced strengths, but they also had very pronounced weaknesses. And it's very hard to play to your one strength right now. Yeah, I hate to say it, but that team, there's not many metas that are actually good for that team. And they got yep. hit with like the perfect one <laughs> in spring. But if we went through multiple other like meta iterations, like let's say we went to like a, a an Oriana tank matchup, like. I mean, I don't think that this is going to be good for them. They essentially need to have like hyper carries and they need Adam's champions to be strong in like just strong top laners in general so they can do their strategy of like playing through Crowny and then Adam's going to like draw a ton of fucking pressure topside and like, you know, Knuck will just stabilize and do his thing. So overall, man, this team is, I, I think, going to, to struggle really hard when it comes to playoffs. I think also you can just season finals. You could also just uh, you can also just target, as you're saying, uh, Dom Nuke's champion pool, not only the LeBlanc, but if you ban both LeBlanc and Azir, like, what does this guy play in this meta? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Casio or something like he'll, <laughs> enemy team will, I mean, will not great. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you do things to try to enable Nuke. That's the angle for BDS. You'll give them Tristana and then you'll play Casio into Tristana, which is actually a fine matchup for Casio. And you just pray that that's like enough to, to get an advantage. Maybe the Tristana player hasn't played versus a lot of Casios. Maybe other people aren't playing that much, um, playing it that much. And that's why that's how you get an advantage. I think in general, it, it just, there's, there's too many holes in their strategy for them to like actually come out ahead with like a winning draft. A um, couple things to support what you both were saying. Tristana and Rumble, two very key champions in the meta right now. Uh, one game on Tristana all year by Nuk. And for Adam, 
zero games on Rumble this year. Uh, I mean, he's, also, he's not that guy, right? Like he's, yeah. he's just not <laughs> two games on Jax as well. So just not not meta picks at all, other than the Renekton up top there. He he's had that, and then the. I like what you said earlier, Monty, about needing to be able to play around a champ pool like Nux if you're going to do that. And um, Sheo has only played 11 champions, and most of them were Sejuani games with a very losing win rate. So, I mean, uh, when you look at like the, the, the meta right now, you think about the, the strongest top laners in the game, it's like right now you're seeing a lot of of Renekton and then like Renekton rumble trades and then Jax comes in sometimes if the Renekton is picked like this is what you're playing and if you think about those champions Adam can play one out of those three champions and then the other champions he plays aren't good into any of those champions either so it's like where do you find your advantage it's just so hard to find your advantage and even some of the more like fringe picks that come into the top lane like we're seeing a a larger amount of of Gragas to kind of fill AP holes and like have decent matchups essentially yeah 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 yeah. um to have decent matchups as well like is he gonna play Gragas yeah is is the poppy like poppy has a has a decent matchup into into the jacks as well and like is the poppy going to come out in top lane like probably not right no (laughs) feels what is he going to play he's going to like find a set angle like he just really wants to just like cope that his champions are good here it's like no set is really good into redacted it's like you know his w can destroy his whole shit no no no. if i time it right i can still win the matchup it's just he he has to just logic him way his way into getting his champions gaslight his teammates that's the best way to approach this. All right. Those are that is our dual no key excited about team. Who is our low key excited about team here in the LEC season finals? I think it has to be XL. Like I'm not there's there's still some clear flaws to XL, right? The peach problem is real. Uh maybe we actually do get to see Peach not on tanks, which seems to be his weakness, especially in the early game. We got to see the one pop-off game on Lee Sin. But at the same time, it feels like pretty good in terms of the meta, contrary to what we were saying about BDS. Obviously, Odo Omne's Rumble is going to be a huge consideration. Patrick and, and Limit have been doing very well. Abadage should be back on comfort picks like Azir. Uh, besides Peach, and even though Peach kind of runs it in the early game, he is able to hit R on Maokai in the mid and late game at a Dragon, which is really the only skill you need on Maokai. And so, you know, it d- does it really matter if the rest of the team is doing okay? I feel pretty good about XL's chances at making worlds out of this bracket, especially because Mad Lions has just been terrible. Yeah. My low-key, so I guess it would be weird to say I'm low-key excited about G2. That's actually what I'm low-key excited about because the logic goes like this. G2 is so much better than the rest of the teams that I feel like they're just going to win by default. Um, like yeah. they'll, they'll win the match against BDS. They're already locked worlds. And then they'll probably just win the, the whole championship, the whole season finals. So it's hard to be excited about like something Correct. that I feel like is going to happen. But based off like our definitions, I guess I would go my like low key excited uh, excitement is for Fnatic. I think they'll, they'll get to worlds. I don't think they'll maybe, I think they could beat XL if everything goes right. If they're like really on top of the meta, who knows what ends up happening. I think Nefiri is enabled. Maybe they have some like strategies that allow them to, to, the, to do well what are, what are the odds that yike, back, that's a razor plays, champion what, what what are the odds that yike plays nefiri sometime in the season finals pretty good right? i don't think it's like that good as a jungler from what i've seen or I, like, i've played against it it looks like dog shit but <laughs> that doesn't yeah, matter <laughs> i don't think yike likes to play champions that are like that weak early when, when i look at his like champion pool i mean 
Probably the okay. weakest early champion that he plays is like Kazix, but outside of that, I mean, he <laughs> likes playing things that are like abusive early. Like Belveth is actually extremely strong at like level three. It's like one of the best champions in the game, level three. So I don't think that he would actually play it. I think it's a mid lane. It's definitely a Caps champion or maybe a BB <laughs> champion in certain matchups. BB loves playing new champions. That's that's fair. That's fair. Hmm. I think I think what Dom's point here of what most excited and least or, uh, low key excitement, high key excitement, and no key excitement here can 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 differ because I think you could pick any any of these teams and still make a point. Because for me, I'm low key excited to see mad lions do it because they do it all the time where they get to playoffs and all of a sudden turn it on and find a way to beat whatever streaking team it is like excel or like fanatic and and work their way on in and if the bracket goes the way that dom has predicted mad lions lose to excel here they play sk fanatic beat the crap out of bds that means the world's qualifying series spot and the world spot i guess in general is going to be a mad lions fanatic matchup there on the bottom side so if they lose to Excel, that to me is pretty uh, exciting just because Mad Lions always does this. They always do this, man. They they yep. look bad until the playoff buff. The playoff buff comes and then they just have the balls to make the play or not get too worried about the moment getting too big compared to any other team that they've played against. So uh, I guess I'd be low-key excited about Mad Lions doing it yet again. I, but I shouldn't I, I, be excited because they I, always I got do it. Look, I thought I thought that was going to be true in the summer playoffs as well, yeah. and they just completely <laughs> that's, that's shit like the bed. Well. So yeah, I, I I already was on that's that, and I got razor true. cake. So I don't know, man. Like Niski has been really off. You know, he he's been a, a surprisingly consistent player over the last few years, but he really I feel like is making a lot of mistakes. It doesn't really feel like a great meta overall for El Yoya either. Like if you take the Vi away from him, you know that's not. This meta is really is good, by the way. I know like That's LSK fair. is an obsession with it, but I think Vi is like, and people are holding it's... on to it because they spend so much time practicing it. But if you look <laughs> at like the changes, yes, that shit got put in the fucking dirt. Like, like Riot was tired of seeing Vi in games. They really tried to just remove it from the game. And then when you consider Vi's matchups, the reason why Vi was good before is because a lot of the time you're playing against like another bruiser. I mean, if you were like at MSI, for example, when you're playing against things like like Wukong or you're playing like uh versus versus things like um. Like we were seeing some some Lee Sin pop out. If we were playing Vi versus uh, Kazix, like these types of champions, you just ult him, you have follow-up from your mid laner, you're playing Talia, Ari, whatever you're going to play Vi with, you just one-shot the guy. But like now the meta is Maokai, Sejuani, now you have Ivern coming in, Rel Jungle, Poppy. It's like you don't have anything that's a good matchup anymore. And also, a lot of the meta is about poke, and so you're not, you don't necessarily have the same amount of burst or chain cc that you might have had previously and i mean just objectively in terms of control like map control like sejuani and and maokai or and poppy are vastly superior right um so i mean i agree i i do think it's it's a little bit it, it just it has been one of el yoyo's better champions but i mean el yoyo's like a he, you know he's like a lee sin guy he's a, he's a graves guy he's a wukong guy you know what i mean and so i it just doesn't feel like this meta is particularly conducive to his skill set. I mean, he's played Sejuani this summer, but he's 0-2 on the pick, right? And the literally the only champions, jungle champions he has wins on are Wukong and Gragas. That's it. Everything else was an L that he played. Sejuani, Vi, Rek'Sai, Poppy, Nocturne, Rel. Um, just, it doesn't really feel good for, for Mad Lions at the moment. Um, 
you can't buff Vi when Arcane 2 comes out unless you nerf her earlier. So there we go. That's, that's <laughs> okay. uh, when is Arcane 2 coming out? I that one I don't know. I got to be like careful six about six years future. to make the first Arcane. So I don't think it's going to happen soon. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I, th I thought that the director had spoken up about a certain date, but so I think it's out there on Twitter somewhere. But it like it wasn't a date. It was like a year. It was like, oh, Arcane. When did Arcane come out? Last year, right? Came out last year. No. I think it came ago? out two years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think they definitely said it wasn't this year. They said maybe not 2023. I think they said maybe 20, like late 24. But it, it's on Twitter somewhere. I, I promise. Um, all right. Who are we high key excited about here for the LEC Summer Finals? Monty went first last time. So it's you first, Dom. Well, based off our definitions, I have to say G2 because I think they're just going to win. <laughs> yeah, right? I like, agree with Tom. <laughs> like, they're, like, they're just going to win. They're, they're the best team in Europe. They're the best team in, the, in Europe. And I'm happy with the way they stomped finals. I just hope that it doesn't look sketchy. I don't want it to look the way uh, that Cloud9 versus... Uh, Cloud9 versus... It wasn't Energy the first time. It was EG. I don't want it to look like that. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't want this like ugly series where it's like, man, G2 is... Or you know, just the series they played versus XL in winner bracket. I don't want them to just play against the team, make dog shit decisions that don't make sense given the context of the team comp that they have, and then just win because like they're just better than the other team at the end of the day. I want them to actually play the game correctly because that's the only way that you're actually going to like beat Asian teams. And I think the G2 is like the hope, right? It's the Western hope. If G2 doesn't do shit at Worlds, no one's doing shit at Worlds. I, I think it was encouraging to see G2... Uh really think about their priorities um you know when they had that scrappy series versus excel the first one where it felt like they were trying to counterpick excel rather than just select strong picks in the meta and when they came back all of a sudden it was like okay we're not going to just try and counterpick the guys so we're just going to take the guys right we're just going to take it and we're just going to stop them with it which was i think that was a good move i think one of my favorite things about excel in summer is that well it's it is great to be able to have a different play style and to have Yike be able to pull out some really niche pocket picks. You don't always want them playing around that. And for the most part, uh, this last summer split, I think his champion pool looked really good for the meta. I mean, look at what he was playing. Was He was great on tanks, you know? And this is the first time yeah. I feel like we've really seen a consistently good tank performance. Uh, at times. I would say <laughs> that his... Times. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that his, like, um, play in the winter bracket finals was actually like pretty terrible. But then when he played in, in finals, he, he stepped it up massively. Um, yeah. And then during the season, I thought he had a really weird season. I mean, he was up and down, like, you know, he was getting solo or he would just die in the enemy jungle, like every game for a portion of, of, of the season. So it, it's hard for me to be like, he's a consistent tank player. I think that it trended upwards towards the end, but if we didn't see that final, I think the, the whole narrative is completely different. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but it was encouraging to see them really like putting him in that role and trying to get him that experience. And now he's going to have several more weeks of, you know, scrimming similar champions. Because, I mean, if we think about what he was doing, he was either letting the enemy team pick Maokai and counterpicking Trump Trundle, or he was playing Maokai, Rel, Ivor, and Sejuani himself, you know, for the most part. So he really was on rails in the tank role, uh, regardless of, you know, his early failures versus later success. 
And I think this is a good direction for Yike to be in and developing as a, as a newer player. So that was, I felt like that was a very good sign for the team as a whole, because if he can do his job from the tank role, we know that the other players on this roster are perfectly capable of, of being the carries, right? And, and having the veteran consistent performances. So I like what G2 is doing. It feels like they are getting more, they are getting, gathering more depth as a team and that it will be really important heading into world. So now is a great time to, to do that. If, if it was who are you just excited about high key, excited about Dom, you would have just flipped fanatic and G2. I would have said Excel. Okay. Because I think people still have in their minds that they're not a good team because they weren't a good team for so long, but Times have changed, and I think they're literally just like a top three team in the region. So I, I expect them to actually perform. Like, I, I think that they're favorites versus Mad Lions. Um, think that they'll lose the G2. Maybe, like I said, I think that they're actually the favorites to come in second. Maybe Fnatic can overtake them. But I don't see any reason why they they would they would fall off on, on the new patch. It felt like they actually understood what works for them. And then also the other thing you have to consider is when you have these types of splits of LEC there's less patches. So you don't actually need to, to iterate on your game so much. It's not like this next patch is that much different. They can do the same things again, play the same champion pools and, and have similar success. Got it. All right. Those are our high key, low key, no key expectations on the success of the LEC summer finals. Again, gone after three weeks, no more. They will be back this weekend, kicking things off. Uh, with the upper bracket first round where, again, no buys, no buys for the top teams. They just go straight into the upper bracket uh, battles here. And it's been fun. It's been fun now that we're at the end of this LEC, I guess, league structure and schedule. We talked a lot, a lot about championship points in our last episode. And now to see it finally come to fruition and close on up, we'll see how the results go. Will it be sending a team that we don't think should make it could make it like a bds or sk or will will it be a you know worthy top four opponents that they are sending mad lions versus golden guardians let's go that will be so fun (laughs) that would be so fun (laughs) Uh, but to get that they have to lose again if they don't lose this first match they're into the top three so uh, they excel has to beat them which means excel has to go to worlds which means Mad Lions or Fnatic will be going. It can't be both if we have them in the qualifying series. Yeah. Um, you know what I think is, is some bullshit? And I haven't went off on this format yet, but I always have a problem with formats. It's like my thing at this point. It's like just any, have a any for, yeah, any format. Tom's doing my me, thing, complaining about formats. <laughs> I, I, I hate for, I, I hate most League of Legends formats. The only ones I like are like the LPL formats. Like I think that can be criticized when it comes to like the time between games because it's like you played finals yesterday you have 18 hours you have to play <laughs> that was yeah, original that like, was ridiculous that's pretty fucking crazy but it's just like that's just how how china works but i like the, the actual format itself this format i hate because i think that the reward for doing so well the entire season and winning two of the splits should be that you're automatically qualified for worlds yeah. um and i think that you can do it in a way that doesn't harm it where they still want to play to perform because similarly if you think about last year, G2 was also qualified to Worlds before um, the the first match started of the playoffs, which was essentially just this qualifier. Um, and all you would need to do is just have the, the format be the same, where instead of it be uh, the losers of round one 
play against the the play against Fnatic and SK, you would just have Fnatic and SK play a best of five. Winner would play the lower seed of the losers of round one, which means that even if you were first seed, even if you lost, the minimum you could get is fourth, right? Like that would just be the the, the difference because you'd essentially just play a sixth place match, a fifth place match, a fourth place match, a third place match, a second place match, you know, that's just, that, that would just be the structure of it. So I think that, that like the fact that there's even a world where G2 loses two best of five, they like don't figure out the patch. Maybe like this patch is fucking crazy and the theory is broken and they didn't practice. Like there's, there's angles, right? You're playing on a new patch with the new champion enabled. You can lose two best of fives as G2 and you're just done. How does that make any sense? Like they were so good the entire year. They're clearly the best team in Europe from the beginning in January until now. And in two weeks time, we could be mourning the loss of G2. It just seems very weird to me. That that does feel like doomsday scenario, and no one's gonna think about that unless it happens. Yeah, no one's gonna think about that unless it happens. I don't think like, it's, it's, not, it's not gonna happen. It's yeah, yeah, it's I mean, not. It's it, not gonna happen. It, but it if it did, yeah, I, I see Dom's point. But when they were coming up with the strategy, they're like, they slot in G two and or Fnatic in that number one slot, and they're like, yeah, they'll make it to Worlds because they just have to win one game. They can't win one series. Let's put. I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's just the problem of like. Yeah, I mean, you could just have two bad days. Two bad days, G2 could not make Worlds. You know, it won't happen. It's most likely not going to happen. But I have to point it out because I think that there should be some reward for doing the best overall. It should not just be that you get... So you, you're, you're the first seed over the entire year. You're the best team the entire year. And your advantage is that you get to play a like slightly worse team in round one. That's it. Why is it not a World slot? Because yeah. the last format didn't have three splits. The last format, it was just one split into a regular season, and then they were qualified. Think about that. It was one one split that they won, then there was a regular season, and then based off that, they were qualified to Worlds. This is three splits, three full splits with playoffs and everything. How is that not qualifying you to Worlds? Yeah, Does make sense? I agree. I agree. Sorry, guys, I'm panicking. I'm losing sound in my right ear, so I'm not sure <laughs> if that's my headphones or if I'm about to have a stroke, but... All right, well, we can yeah. call the ambulance if you go down. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. You know where I, I live. like very practical. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It was, it was the headphones. It was the headphones. Holy okay, cow. Good. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, well, uh, I wanted to continue on with our friends over on our YouTube comments that kept going with the Dom nicknames. If Dom discovers inner peace, he will be, I will meditate. Or I will namaste. I thought that one was a little okay. And then if G2 get knocked out and he feels sick, like of his stomach, he will be, I will tummy ache. Okay. Those were good ones. Make sure to keep them coming. The best ones I'll shout out next week in the comments. Uh, all right. So that wraps up here with high key, low key, no key. Next up, we have our segment brought to you by our friends over at Trolley Sourbright Crawlers. It's time for Devoured to see how the super team in LCK, Hanwell Life, got beaten up by the teams that are just simply better than them in Gen G and KT. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, Monty. Hanwa, you know, they had an upswing. They were looking like they could be okay. But they ran into Buzzsaw that was Gen G and then ran into a back informed KT. Let's go. Yeah. They got 
they got absolutely eaten up. Like you should eat up your trolley sour bright crawlers. By the way, you can find a link below of where to get them. Spoiler, the answer is basically anywhere. They're actually just everywhere. So you can go to your local 7-Eleven grocery store. I see them all the time and they're great. And, and I Rob and Monty's I, house. He has Rob them Monty's there. House. Well, there's so many for a temporary amount of time before I leave my house. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can rob his next house. He'll have them there as well. Yeah, I'll rob it when I go to Korea for the next seven months. Uh sure. There you go. Uh, but in any case, yeah. I mean, Hanwa, look, uh, I, we definitely expected more out of this team, but when we actually get to the playoffs, it looks like they have been pretty comprehensively solved by their opponents. I was particularly delighted by how KT managed to beat them, which is simply do nothing and then win the games. Because the key about Hanwa is that you know that they are going to do nothing in the early game, that Grizzly uh, paths like a coward and will only try and farm and then get into some sort of like late game state. And the, Hanwa's entire existence since they have added Grizzly is to avoid everything in the early game, attempt to scale and team fight you in the mid and late game. And so KT said, I will just opt into this experience. I'm going to pick Zeri and Viego and Orn and just scale harder than you and beat you. And it worked great. It was, like, it was a great strategy, you have to say. They were just, they they opted into the Hanwa, they, they hand shook Hanwa into the late game, picked harder scaling compositions, got more advantages early, because even with the scaling comps, they are more active early on the map. They come into, into the mid and late game fights with harder scaling champions and an advantage, and then they just clap Hanwa. So, feels bad to be Hanwa. I think this team is... We'll see if they make worlds. I don't anticipate a lot from them, but uh, yeah. What you know, about you... the fact that their competition is Domlon, essentially? <laughs> it it is really that, is that's a what fiesta. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. True. I mean, who, who is actually going to be fourth seed? <laughs> you know, it's not. I'm not excited about it. Let's just put it that way. I'm not super excited about the the LCK representation at Worlds this year, especially compared to the strength of the the four LPL teams that are going to be at well three and Weibo. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is the three look pretty fucking good yeah you know? the three look great uh yeah. and I, I i do think that you know kt losing in the upper bracket to t1 was disappointing even though i think kt's still gonna bounce back and and win the split i think they were pretty cocky but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit mm -hmm. um I, but hanwa just looked absolutely miserable in these series yeah. and we had called out certain things like you know zeka's champion pool has been an issue he's kind of a, a mid-tier azir player and then if you, you if you banned yone i mean or you just beat his yone depending or you know then he'd go to tristana maybe a little bit of annie in there but it really didn't feel like he was super good at a lot of the champions that were in the pool and people were saying oh yeah well kingan's atrox is back with the atrox buffs well Aatrox isn't just anywhere near as as oppressive as it was before. Yeah, uh, gets banned a lot. So, sure. uh, or you know, Keen just plays tanks into it. Yeah, <laughs> they can't stop. So, yeah. I don't know. Like it, it, it felt really bad. Hanwa desperately tried to pivot pivot because after the first two games versus KT, they realized what KT was up to. So, like Grizzly, you have to do something in the early game, or we're just going to get outscaled and lose. So he plays Lee Sin, and then doesn't do anything on that champion either. And it just lights out for Hanwa. So I don't know. I feel, I feel as though, you know, the series versus Genji and the series versus KT did provide, you know, quite a bit of, of ammunition for teams to use in the, in the future about how to beat Hanwa. 
and you know, I think the Hanwa D plus matchup is is quite D plus favored, especially because the the Canyon versus Grizzly matchup. Gotta like that one if you're a D plus fan because Grizzly has been non-existent. Yep, I agree with what Monty said at the beginning about Weibo uh, being terrible because the, the shy is dog shit. So I agree with that for sure. Um, the the Hanwa life angle it's just really sad to watch them play i feel like zika just can't play any of his champions like what's the best situation he can hope for enemy team picks his ear and he could play yone that's probably like one of the best things that he can hope for um you know i mean silas is like nowhere near the meta it's barely playable maybe there's like fringe silas games but i mean it just looks like now zika is just trying to be a normal mid laner and he's just not as good as the other mid laners when he tries to be a normal mid laner he's middle of the pack right like maybe people, he's people, the best. People. People just talk about his Azir and like, guys, his Azir is just worse than other players' Azirs in Korea and China. It's okay, but it you need to be better on these champions if you're going to compete because other people aren't going to be afraid of your Azir. You're not going to be dominating on it in the same way that a Chovy or a BDD would. I would say Faker, but he's looked pretty bad on his Azir recently yeah. too. He just has the pass <laughs> for like the entire playoff. Like this is what I've realized is like, Dude, his his so Azir in the playoffs has not been good. It's been, yeah, no, he's ran it down in a lot of games. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I think BDD, we'll get it to it later, but I think BDD com comprehensively shit on him in the series that they played, um, and it just didn't end up mattering because there was uh, there, there was just bigger gaps in the series. Um, but yeah, when you when you look at Zika's champion pool, I just don't think that it's going to work. So like the first series, he comes out, he plays Yone twice, they lose both of those games. Um, and then from there, he tries to go back on the, you know, the standard mid laners, Azir, Tristana. And it just feels like this team has like no like oomph. It's just like, can yep. the top side get to a point in the game where Viper can carry? And it feels like Viper yep. can just never carry. Like there's no <laughs> way that he's he's allowed to carry. I don't know. He just gets griefed permanently. And this is like what he gets for, for leaving LPL. He, he left LPL, went to LCK. He thought things were going to be good. And instead, he's just getting into literally every game. You know, his his jungler is, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have a jungler things. anymore. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have a jungler anymore. For, yeah, you know, his first his first jungler was like an actual net negative. This jungler is just nothing. This is not he's just not around. He's he's on the other side of the map of the enemy jungler farming. And that means that maybe Viper's getting dove bot side while Chris is top side. Uh, may maybe it's that uh, he's getting invaded and, and squeezed out of the game. Maybe it's that teams like, you know, like Cuz is just opting into the experience and is just farming up and the rest of his team is just better, you know, arguably except for Viper. And so they just win. And if you don't if you don't do things like punish the Viego or punish this area or punish the Orn, guess what happens after 30 minutes into the game? It's not going to be fun for you. Uh, fun fact in this series against KT, uh, Grizzly had more kills than Viper. Grizzly in the whole series <laughs> had one kill, which means Viper in the whole series had zero kills because he was constantly. And I remember watching the highlights for this, he was constantly the last one alive, being like, My team is just gone and I can't fight in this fight, so I'm just I mean, gonna walk away. Well, well also, some of these, of the these drafts were like just unplayable. One, it's it's pretty hard to get any kills. Like no one's getting any kills. And like, yeah, it, it was, it well, was pretty fucked up. It, it's also like, you know, I, I just, I get very confused about Hamwa's draft because again, it's like, okay, so Lehens is just going to play Renata glass. You, you have to do something about Renata in lane, because if you're trying to play Renekton, Rel, Tristana, uh, Kaisa and Amumu into Renata glass in a mid day game team fight, you're just running at her. 
that's you're gonna have a horrible time. Like that one ult just shuts down your entire composition. So you have to do something about it early. Instead, they do nothing. And oh. then Renata comes online. Hold on, Monty. I have to apologize to Dom to clear up. I wasn't going after your boy Viper not getting any kills. I was just simply saying there was no opportunity for him to get kills, and that yeah. clearly happened to get one. I know, you know, that was that was not indictment on the best AD carry in the league, right? <laughs> really, the best AD it carry was, who's it was nowhere Grizzly close. dealing a kill. That's what... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, Grizzly is kind of a kill stealer. Like he's had some Viego games where he just will not like he will not give a kill to anyone. <laughs> just play it's just he's playing for the reset i guess yeah one kill two kills and then four kills in game number game number three uh also the other thing that was interesting that i thought it's more on the kt lens here on how they devoured hanwa you brought up zeka's um uh, uh azir they played zareth into it and bdd just got to snipe from downtown the whole game and it felt like that hanwa didn't have an answer for that either and i i thought that was a interesting pick that is around but we don't get to see it played at that level of success here i How mean faker had a good fakers had a good Zareth game as well uh i mean this champion especially when bdd was played i think he's the most impressive Zareth player i've seen so far um you know we obviously saw it in lcs with In insanity playing it as well but bdd's ult accuracy was actually crazy that yeah. game and uh, he didn't need rylai's to hit the ult <laughs> <laughs> and he built Ludens, uh, yep. you know, uh, which is not my favorite on his ear, but I, it was more excusable in the Hanwa game because there was a little bit more squish to the team composition. Generally, though, I'm more of a, a fan of Leandri's because I think it's more consistent and more forgiving. Um, but I mean, BDD did an excellent job of of landing all the poke, getting massive stacks on Medjai's, not even dying in this game. I mean, he was terrifying. It's fucking terrifying. Um, and this is a BDD, this is a BDD style champion. Like long range champs are are the BDD jam, and they always have been. So, feels like it's right in his wheelhouse. And unfortunately, you know, Zeka on that Azir, not not able to do much, not able to do much at all. All right. Well, this was our team that got eaten on up here. Hanwha Life now out of the summer playoffs, still alive for the regional finals for the LCK where they will be qualifying two teams on in one in the upper bracket, which is the, um, what is it? That's the uh, three, four, two, three, two, three matchup. Yeah, no, three, four matchup. And then the second one on the bottom side where you got to win two games to qualify on in. So uh, still hope for the super team, but unfortunately I'm so proud. Like we'll, we'll get into the next segment uh, as we go to the LCS, but Kyosha kept his promise to go to Worlds next year and is qualified on in. But that means one of the teams is not going to qualify on in. And it starts off with the former bot lane duo uh, of Deft and Barrel. And then after that, it'll be whoever wins that matchup against the rest of the team. Kyosha, he just wanted to go to Worlds, man. And he found the easiest way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. <laughs> it is shocking that this iteration of team liquid is, I mean, that that's an indictment of NA. That's a yeah. strong indictment. The fact that I have to watch Viego Pioshik pentakills in LCS says all you need to know about yeah. the LCS as a region. And then people tell it, trying to gaslight me that Pioshik has always been a good player. That's my favorite. Yeah. Well, uh, I need you to, uh, 
uh, hold down those thoughts until we close out our segment here uh, in uh, Devoured. So again, thanks to our friends over at Trolley for making it all possible to have our show here on Power Spike. Get your tongue-twisting, mind-warping, sour thrills at Trolley.com. All right. On with life, everybody. We'll see if they make it out. Okay. Next up on Power Spike. It's the big brain topic that we were hinting to just a couple of seconds ago. What's going on with the LCS playoffs, man? We need to have a full discussion on the gameplay, the pause, and I guess the processes of the pause. But we now have our top three teams that have qualified for Worlds and our Worlds qualifying uh, series team that has made it on through as well. Not done yet with the championship. But it's been a crazy one. Let's get into it. Our Galaxy Brain Topic of the Week. All right, we've... We had our teams eliminated this week, so we said goodbye to Dignitas and to Evil Geniuses, which the Evil Geniuses won kind of crazy. And then Team Liquid beats Golden Guardians to get the secured spot and sends Golden Guardians to the world's qualifying spot. Energy, who looked pretty solid in their series beforehand, going up against Cloud9, which who they are the kryptonite to just don't show up and get 3 0'd. Well, you know, it was kind of like a not show up 3 0'. What is going on with this last week of playoffs here, Monty? I just don't understand the number of shocking throws that we've had within this LCS playoff bracket. Like the number of teams that have been up four or 5,000 gold and then inexplicably lose the game. I feel like I've never seen this, even in LCS in a single playoff bracket, more than I've seen it this year. It is, it is staggering the number of yep. throws that we're seeing. And I know Dom has made jokes about object permanence before, but here's the, here's the biggest one for me. Why does no one know when TP is up in an A? Nobody knows. Nobody knows if the enemy team has teleport and if they're going to be coming in behind them. So they overpress their advantages. And the other side of this is they also don't know sometimes when to use teleport themselves. Is Gory in bot lane while the enemy team is doing Baron? Should he wait to TP until the Baron is done? Yes, he should, I guess. I, you know, I just have no idea what is happening in these series. And it has made this region virtually impossible to predict. Because nobody is winning in a clean fashion, and the comebacks and throws are absolutely enormous. And teams are yeah. overpressing their advantages. Like they think they can end the game when they can't end the game. They think they can take more Golden objectives. Guardians. Like the timing windows are incredibly sloppy. Incredibly yeah. sloppy. Not just going guarded. I mean, EG versus C9. It was the same thing in multiple games. Like I, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty tough to watch because, like, these situations should be pretty practiced by this point. In, in the season, it's not like we just had a massive like meta shift coming into playoffs. It's pretty much the same game that we were playing before on 13-13, 13-12, 13-11. Slight prio changes, uh, you know, Rel is added to the mix. But it just feels like the teams don't have that that high baseline where they just understand like how macro is going to work um, around objectives. So it, it's tough. I, I also don't like a lot of the, the times where people are like fighting objectives. Like there's some very clear times where you know, one team has two drakes. The team that has two drakes is weaker at that point in the game. They're down gold and they just walk into a fight. They're clearly losing where they don't even need to like get this drake to win the game. Obviously, there's games where you get mega outscaled and you and that's your highest chance, your, your highest odds play is to go for that drake fight. 
but a lot of these fights that I'm, I'm seeing are like the fight is already lost and then like two people trickle in they die suddenly baron's on the table it just feels very weird to watch because um you think that the like these situations should be pretty much solved um and and i guess uh, they're not in the lcs what like said, why why is summit tp'ing into mid lane to like lose dragon right to get poked out and lose dragon right yeah. after they get baron it's it's so confusing why these decisions are made yeah i mean summit's tp usage has always been terrible like his his ability to like understand where they're strong and when they're, where they're weak it just feels like it's non-existent i mean there was also the play um where he tp top i think it was the was it, was fiora the game in the game one if it was game yeah. one yeah so like he plays the fiora they're already getting drake for free there's two people on drake he TPs top to defend the turret and, and defend the dive because I assume like APA was calling for it. So their play there is, is very simple. Enemy team is giving Drake. You TP to protect or to defend. And then he just walks into the enemy team and Tribush dies and suddenly like the whole fucking game explodes. There's just a chain reaction of deaths. You know, enemy team has the ability to start an objective afterwards. It just makes no sense, especially when you consider the champions that Summit plays. Like he plays champions that don't really want a team fight anyway. And they so don't want to the TP. mindset of like avoiding it if you can. <laughs> they don't want a TP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I forgot about the one where he just TP'd into mid lane on Fiora and they just walked into the position time. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was the one that got me because it's like, why is this game so hard? You just got third Drake. Like the game just became very easy for you because the enemy team didn't contest and you were able to defend. So they didn't even like cross map and get anything. So your advantage is already solidified at that point. Then you're going to have like Baron and Drake up at the same time. You're going to be able to do like the soul for Baron trade, or you're going to, you know, like hover one side. Enemy team has to always respect what you're doing because both objectives are better for you than they are for them. Like there's so much that, that, that they could have done, but yeah. teams just don't respect teleport flank too. Like think about, think about the team liquid game where Piotr got the pentakill, right? And they're sieging the tower. They dump rumble ult into the tower and then, APA just teleport flanks on Nico and just catches them all right after the tower goes down. Like, you know, why, why are these plays happening? And think about the, um, the cloud nine game where you see the game three with MS and fudge double TPing into the mid lane for the flank. Like do teams just not understand that you can TP like the TP is up and you can TP flank when they're pushing a lane. It's baffling. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it's been pretty bad say about it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been pretty bad, and it's it's led to longer, exciting throws and led to more parity, but this very, con uh, like, contrasting the way that we view G2 going to the international stage is not good. Yes, it maybe it's entertaining, hopeless. but it's not good. <laughs> it feels relatively hopeless. I mean, it was hopeless last year. I mean... It is what it is. I guess. I guess people say, "Oh, you say that every year." It's like, yeah, because it's true every year. Like that's just what happened. Like, <laughs> when wasn't it true, guys? When was when was there hope for NA? Yeah, I mean, there there shouldn't there shouldn't be hope. Um, oh, and I, okay. I mean, it, we already talked about it. It's a, it's the same thing that happened last uh, last week, where it just doesn't feel like the good teams are good enough compared to the rest. Like when they're playing against the clearly bad teams, they don't win in a consistent enough way, in a logical way that makes you believe that they'll be able to replicate these types of winning game states and being able to like carry out that lead versus a top team. Like they're just going to make a mistake at some point and one of these Asian teams will just get an advantage. They'll get Baron. And when an Asian team gets an advantage versus Western team, it's lights out normally. We're not creative enough on ways to get back into the game, to create chaos, to make them 
I mean, they, uh, they, they just don't Walter. even know, like, a simple thing. Like, uh, if you look at Gory, so Gory had a shit series, right? Like, he was terrible um, for most of the playoffs, to be honest. He, he was yep. just not the same player. Um, but he was especially terrible in this last matchup against APA uh, versus TL. And there was just things he was doing where, like, there would be a, a, a Gwen flanking. And then as Trist, he would, like, jump on the Gwen. And then the Gwen would just, like, beat his ass. It's like, what did you think was going? Like, why are you wasting your jump in this situation? Like, you see him there. Like, you should be trying to, you know, use your range as some type of an advantage. Um, so it's very, it's very hard to watch because I don't actually think that the teams are getting better over time. It feels like the teams are, like, e either like they're static in their level or they're just getting worse, which it, I don't know. It, it's hard. Also, I think the meta is probably not that great for uh, Western teams. I think there's a meta that you hope for when you go into worlds, which is control mages, mid yes. tank tops, hyper carry 80 carries. That's like the way that NA and EU can actually beat these top teams, but it's not like that at all right now. You know, like the top laners can pick Jax, Gwen, like all this type of stuff. Somebody like Zika, who's, 20 year old, like he just turned 20. He was 19 at the beginning of play or the beginning of the split, just turned 20. This kid is going to do crazy things to the Western top laners. Like he's already just better than all the Western top laners. And it's like first real year. I mean, he played one year on IG, getting his shit pushed in pretty much the entire time. He was 18, turned 19, plays an LPL. He already just looks not only better mechanically at, you know, just lane phase and, and these types of things, he looks like he has more discipline and he has a better champion pool. So I don't know how he looks more experienced with less experience than the best top laners we have. Like he looks more experienced than Fudge when I watch him play. I think, I think going back to your point about Gory, um, and it was, it'll come out in my interview with Golden Guardians. I, I feel like homesickness and like the grind of the year is starting to get to the players. And it's, it shouldn't, it's a crappy excuse, but it was the first time I heard someone say something like that. And that's the only thing that I can think of here, Dom, that is why people are making mistakes about things that they've shown and demonstrated that they know. And they're just getting careless and sloppy about TP timers, about knowing whether a game can finish or not, and it not being close. Like that is the only thing I can think of, but it was pretty stated that gory specifically homesick river. He's okay, but Gore was like, I want to go back home to Korea and let's get this boot camp going and just be back home for a little bit. So uh, I can imagine if you extrapolate that out to everyone, the amount of stress yeah. that everyone's under. I would say this fourth place match, less so because you know you have your job for another month. But when I think about the games that happened earlier in the week on Thursday and Friday, like a a, a, G, a, a Dignitas rolling over and dying, a... Um, uh, EG kind of not really showing up the day of that felt like just burnout and not having the right mental fortitude to really stay in. It seemed like no one really blew up at each other. No one raged at each other in all my post-game interviews. Everyone seemed, you know, like at peace with what happened, but almost like to the point where they were just cooked and were like ready for this whole stressful thing to be over. Well, you know, Degon, if you'd like a way to re relieve some stress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In the state of California, cannabis happens to be legal and is a great way 
to relieve stress. And you, Gory, could enjoy the freeze pipe, something you could not enjoy in your home in nation Korea. of Korea. <laughs> and the freeze pipe has an excellent promotion that really helps us out. And remember, sponsors are a great way to, to support LFN, guys. So you can go to thefreezepipe.com, use your promo code LFN for 10% off your entire order. And as we've discussed, they even have these cute, adorable little blunt tips now that uh, you only have to freeze for 20 minutes with that glycerin chamber. And you can use them on vapes with 510 cartridges on you know, joints. It's it's wonderful, wonderful products. So thank you to the freeze pipe. And I hope that uh, the stress relief uh, will will come eventually. And you know, Digon, this reminded me a lot of you know my time in Korea. Mm -hmm. When I was casting literally 10 best of threes a week and I was traveling internationally, and I was living in a foreign country. By the time we got to playoffs, you know, my casting was just garbage. Uh, actually, it wasn't. I was still fucking excellent, and I don't understand what burnout is. So get it together, players. I was coaching a CLG simultaneously while I was doing 10, 10 fucking best of threes a week and doing all the research. Uh, and, I doing, and I was that's doing... That's how you need to get some burnout. Yeah, yeah do, exactly. Do no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I really just have no sympathy for these LCS players with their homesickness and burnout. Because you know what? I did that. I lived in a foreign country. I did it all. So suck it up. Yeah, I but you're also a Korean oh, yeah. fellatio was... enthusiast. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not American fellatio enthusiast the same way. <laughs> like, you were. Like, you're actually somewhere you wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, the thing, though, is that if you live in the right parts of Los Angeles, literally... Parts of K-Town are so like Korea that when I'm in certain bars and restaurants, I literally could not tell that I wasn't in Seoul. So if you want the, you know, the most Korean experience you can have outside of Korea, Los Angeles is probably it. Yeah, Korea, uh, Korea town is like, it's it's Korean. It's very Korean. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. I, it's not, I don't really I mean, get it. You walk, you walk places, everything is in Korean. The signs yes. are in Korean. Like, it's just perfect. It, it, the, the buildings look Korean. The inside decorations, what I'm saying, like, I literally feel like I am in Korea at times when I am in, in K-Town in Los Angeles. So, you know, as it, the, you can get excellent and varied Korean food here. So the homesickness angle, in fact, there are a bunch of other Korean pro gamers you can hang out with constantly, right? Um, you, you can go date Korean girls in LA. So I don't know, man. I, I feel like, I feel like that's a pretty weak excuse. D God, I feel like it's a pretty weak excuse. Um, do I want to say this? Okay. I'll, I'll wait till the end of the season, but book, bookmark, bookmark this moment here talking about Koreans getting homesick in America and ways to combat that. I think there are pros in the, how about that? There are pros in the past that have done a very good job of it. Yeah. I don't. I mean, you I could think, do it. What a former yeah. Golden Guardians play, player did. Um, a Korean who was just experiencing homesickness, where he literally just flew back to Korea before <laughs> the season was over, <laughs> and just ditched his fucking team. Like, it's an option. It, it it he was actually doing what Knight did, right? Didn't Knight do this over at JDG to give the young phenom behind him an opportunity on the stage? That young phenom's name was Collegiate Faker, better known as Bob Chin, who went Bob 0 Chin. 2 that week. Um, that's all right, Bob Chin. It's all right. Uh, he has a house now. He's streaming. He's with TL. Uh, nice. Okay. I feel like there was something I was going to add to all that, but oh, the pause. Okay. So we literally had a sixth game 
a sixth game in that TL Golden Guardians match because of the pause. Have have you ever seen a bug like that before? And and have it take that long to figure out, Dom? Because that the, have the you bear- seen the LCK live? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen pretty severe. Like I've seen bugs that are just that completely fuck the entire game. I think the weird thing about this bug is that it happened at 10 minutes right but they didn't yeah. pause the game like who he didn't notice until like 12 30 so like yeah. what is actually the amount of time that you have to report the bug and why didn't like the observers or the referees because they don't actually they're not actually referees but why do why doesn't the, the referees why can't somebody else step in and be like hey this is an issue that that happened we've identified it you know what what is what is the call moving forward because i think it's very weird that golden guardians could have like always fell back on that like what what if they pause like at, at 17 minutes and they're down 3k gold which is still within i think the the range where it's considered like still winnable and then they're like oh by the way like the reason we're losing is because of this tp and then they get to remake anyway i just feel like it's very it's it's a weird circumstance because i don't know what the actual rules are pertaining to the amount of time you have to call out the bug that happened normally what you're told or at least when I was a player, what you were told is that as soon as you see a bug, you should um, like, as soon as a bug happens, you need to report it instantly. Um, so it was kind of weird that golden guardians, like, like, I, like who he just didn't notice that, that he didn't have another summoner and that his TPU was just cooling down instead of his, like, he just didn't notice that for like two and a half minutes. Like that's a long time to not notice what summoners you have. I, I haven't seen this bug before, to be fair. The, this is, this is a new one. To me, at least, the unsealed spellbook. This hasn't been something that has been popping up in other major leagues. So perhaps this is really just a fringe case. Um, I, you know, Golden Guardians had a gold lead. So I, I, I'm not going to quibble too much about this particular bug because they basically opted into with a lead. They opted into remaking the game with the same draft. So it feels pretty fair to me honestly and who knows why he may not have noticed it earlier i didn't actually go back to see if it if it had just occurred or if he was capable of swapping summoners earlier do you know dom um no so he used his tp um i mean the way spellbook works is like he used his tp um i believe at like 10 minutes for the herald fight and Mm -hmm. then to go top yeah and then as soon as that that happens you have like you it'll just change to your flash timer or whatever is under that that spell. I don't know if it was flash or exhaust that, that he had under the spell. The point is that you'll start seeing the cooldown of the other summoner that, that you actually had, and then he just didn't do anything about it. Like I, I don't know. It seemed it seemed a little weird that it took him so long to to notice. Um, because normally, like I can understand if you are using the same summoners every game, but like when you're playing spellbook, you look at your summoners more because sure. you're obviously yeah. changing them out. Yeah, hmm. I, I think the other thing that it could be that that took so long is that they have all the voice recordings and all that they have, they have that in the back. So they theoretically could have gone back, listen to the comm, sync it up with the gameplay and be like, Oh, he didn't talk about this or bring this up unless he right. literally big brained it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't hover <laughs> over it at all. And then, yeah, I mean, he would literally just have to not like there... say it like, and just, yeah. like he would just have to make the decision himself. Right. Which I, I imagine don't think there... I think he just genuinely, but like my problem is, he shouldn't have noticed earlier. That's- uh, yeah, I mean, my problem with, with all these things is like, what is the the possibility for exploitation? That's like the yeah, angle with, sure. with my formats and all this type of shit. That's what I care about is like, what actually makes sense for the rule? So, I mean, yeah, he used he used the TP at 10 minutes. This is before the Rift Herald fight. And then they didn't pause the game until 12.15. So that's two full minutes. And like, yeah, I mean... 
normally you'd look at, at what your flash cooldown is because you've had TP over your flash, right? Like you, you have it over, over your, your flash. You use your flash, sub it out for TP. And mm -hmm. then as soon as you use your TP, you're not going to like remember what your flash timer was. So you're going to look at your flash timer normally and be like, when does this actually like come back up again? So it was very weird that it didn't happen. I would say that. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that one up just because that was for a quote unquote world's qualifying match with lesser, you know, consequential uh, outcomes for a loss. Um, very always interesting to see how things play out. And that, that was kind of like a. You know, a bummer for Golden Guardians to have to go through that and then run it back again and not find themselves already in Worlds. So, all right, that was our uh, Galaxy Brain Club deeper dive into all things throws and all things catches. We still have two matches, two matches left here in our LCS season with Cloud9 waiting the winner between Energy and Team Liquid over in New Jersey. If you find yourselves over in Newark, New Jersey, come say hi. I will be there. I'll be um, doing an activation with Red Bull, interviewing fans, generally doing some game knowledge stuff, some LCS history stuff, and some League of Legends stuff. So uh, make sure to come say hi, and uh, you'll get to win you some prizes and whatnot. Um, I'll also be doing what I did last time, Monty. Do you remember what I brought to Worlds when we did our Worlds viewing party? uh no to I give don't. to fans i gave to fans something it was it was it was a short segment it was trolley I, gummy worms it was not, it was <laughs> not trolley but i will bring that okay what was that? i forgot i have collected a lot of swag throughout oh that's right years. yeah so i am bringing vintage some of swag some vintage lcs swag and riot swag that i just needs to go to a better home so if you are a medium or a large Come answer some questions and you'll get yourself some LCS stuff. Make sure to come say hi. All right. Lastly, as we always do, if you need a little bit of a palate cleanser because maybe you're watching a little bit too much of some LCS Fiesta. We it's got almost yourselves. over, guys. The LCS Fiesta is almost over. We're almost <laughs> through it. They can just get eliminated in Swiss. We'll be and slash play in slash world's qualifying series. No, we're, all, no, we're almost no. done. We, we, only... have be, we have to beat Europe. We have to beat Europe. <laughs> There hasn't been, uh, you know, I mean, there wasn't one best of five between Europe and NA at uh, MSI. The last time mm -hmm. it happened was the the Mad Lions EG. So it seems yep. like just at this point, NA is better. But, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll have to, you know, <laughs> we'll have to actually see the series play out. Maybe Europe can get lucky. I Yeah, yeah. I want to know. And I know, again, this is the very end. I want to know for you friends at home. One, keep bringing the I will dominate nicknames. Dom doing this means his name will be this. Those are great. Mm -hmm. And then two, which team you want to see from Europe play in the world's qualifying series against Golden Guardians? Because now you know who it is, and it ends up being probably the second best North American team, I'd say, like in terms of like firepower, in terms of you know how, how good it could be. Like this is a good team that we're sending in the fourth place slot who just happened to fall out of form at the wrong time, I think. So uh, make sure to put those comments below on our uh, YouTube video. All right, finally, let's close it on off with our certified banger of the week. We're keeping it T1 flavored because Faker's back, baby. Booby, you're out. Faker, <laughs> you're in. <laughs> okay. And now we're banging. Certified bangers of the week. Let's go. We're banging. There we go. <laughs> we are banging. <laughs> <laughs>
And uh, we do have, by the way, another LFN match of the week, which is going to be the rematch of T1 versus KT, by the way, over on Esports Bet. So it's a chance to get 10% additional profit up to $100 USDT on your first bet on that match. Uh, as of yesterday, I can check again right now, but it was 1.68 for KT, which feels really good. It feels really good because I think KT is going to do much better in the rematch. Of course, I believe that. Um, but good value, of course, as usual in the T1 matches. I'm surprised they're actually defend. favorites even. Because <laughs> the T1 fans. T1 matches is so hard to like ever find T1 as, as uh, underdogs generally. Right. And they're 1.665, so it's hardly moved at all. So now's the time to get in while you still can. And you can play for free. Right now, there's a special promotion on Esports Bet where you can get Esports coins for free. Those can be changed into USDT later. And all you have to do is join their Discord. That gets you 10,000. Follow Esports Bet on Twitter. That gets you 5,000. And follow Esports Bet on Instagram. That gets you 5,000. Once you've done those things, some or all of them, either hit the mod mail on the Discord or just message the chat support on the website. And they'll give you all of those 20,000 coins, up to 20,000. And you can play along for free. So it's a good time to have fun. You also get the 10% bonus on the LFN match of the week. So it's all great. Have some fun over on Esports Bet. Um, along those lines, who you got, Monty? Who you got winning here? KT. <laughs> are you, are and we'll sure? talk about why. I want to hear Dom's take on, on T1 versus KT first, because I'm curious what he thought about it. Uh, the, the upcoming match or the previous one? The previous one. Our banger of the week. So for me, I did a VOD review of this series. Um, I thought it, 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 was, it was a weird series. Like, first off, um, I think Keen just did not have many good games. Like, for somebody who, sh who was, like, you know, my MVP coming into this series, it felt like he was just generally outclassed by, by Zeus, which sucked um, to see. I just didn't feel like he was as, as effective. He looked like he was, you know, like choking random fights, which isn't really like the thing about Keen that, that I always liked was his consistency. It looked like he would not make mistakes as a top laner, which is very rare. You know, top laners are pretty ill. They normally will run it down at some points during the game. And Keen wouldn't do that. Um, and a lot of the setups from, from KT didn't look that great. Then also you have this problem of like T1 has been forcing Barons at 20 minutes every game. <laughs> every game for like years at this point can we at least be prepared can we at least do some prep have a ward on that can we do anything about this or is it just it's just impossible it's just uncounterable they just start bearing at 20 minutes every single game and there's nothing we can do it felt like the, pre the preparation was um was weird so i didn't like um generally the way kt played it felt like kt was was just underperforming on the on the day to be honest um and then yeah i mean like carrie had some some good games i like i mean I like some of the things that, that we were seeing. Oh, also, Lehens had a pretty bad series. Like, for, for an MVP, like, he didn't look like an MVP in this series. Like, he looked really sus. I also don't like Leona, man. Like, I'm, I'm over Leona. You didn't like the level one Leona int that lost KT game two because he missed Zenith Blade from the brush? Like, why is KT even doing this shit? No, no. Num number one, they lose that even if he hits it. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Draven so, so Nautilus? That's the biggest problem. Yeah, you literally just lose it even if you hit it. So why are you ever going for this level one trade? Like, it's like they didn't practice the lanes or anything like they were they were overkilled by so much i mean all that would happen there if leona goes in with e like e is a longer cooldown than q you can't just stand on somebody and, and perma stun them so if you go for like the e trade here and you're not hard winning you're gonna take so much damage um on the back end of it and the same thing will just happen where you hit the leona e your nautilus just hooks 
the the eighty carry hooks the Varus, and then the Varus has to like flash heal. Maybe he survives down two sums, loses like fucking waves that get pushed. It's just such. I a mean, everybody loves play. trading with level one Draven. Draven. You know what I mean? Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a really good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're starting E at level one, and then also like Varus is. is pretty bad at level one i mean you can like poke people you didn't like, have you could, hail like, of blades but yeah i hear you i mean you could poke people with like auto e but like the main thing about varus is like the, the blight stacks right and like you just don't have <laughs> blight so your spells are not as good anymore um it was just it was really weird and then i think i just think that the obsession with leona is just not good in general i i don't like leona as a champion i just feel like almost every support that's in the game right now that people are playing is better right like brahm Alistar, Nautilus, Rel, Rakan. Like, like, unless all five of those are banned, I don't see a reason to go for the Leona. Yeah, that was... Uh... I, I think what was weird about this, this series for me is that, like, every single game was some sort of bizarre lane state, right? It was, it was like, game one, you know, Zayas is proxying on Jax and then dies. You know, game two, it's this funky all-in from the KT bot lane that basically just loses them bot. And then Keen is just getting completely shit on in top lane by Rumble. And I think KT really didn't respect T1. Obviously, they selected them, which I do think was still the right decision based on you don't know how good T1's going to be with Faker back in uh, versus HLE, which did have a stronger end to their season. And unfortunately, T1 powered up and Hanwha looked like garbage. But I don't think that KT made the wrong choice. But when it came to actually playing through these games, it was super awkward. And, it, you know, it goes to game five. Keen is trying to play the Renekton again, which he has been forcing throughout this series. And they then decide to play Draven in the bot lane. It's like they can't play through bot and top simultaneously. So Draven doesn't get any attention and Draven doesn't even get a kill till like 20 minutes into the game. And it's just kind of a nightmare uh, overall. You know, we got to see BDD. These were his first three career games on Tristana. And I thought really he was, good. He, he looked good on the Trist, but it was, I was surprised to see this. And to me, that's a good sign because earlier this split, we saw BDD's first ever professional game on Jace and he also looked good. So the fact that he's diversifying his champion pool into very meta picks, uh, I think is, is an encouraging sign. But where was the Jace in this series? Like Jace is really strong right now. Why are we not seeing Jace picked up here? by either of these teams that have previously played it. Faker played it earlier in the playoffs and BDD played it at the end of the regular season. Why is there's not good at Jace? I think B, I think BDD can play it, but I, I don't like the Faker Jace generally. That's, I think that he needs to play something that has playmaking potential. That That's totally fair. Uh, but where is it? Like, it's not being picked. It's not being banned. It feels across LCK playoffs like this really hasn't been a priority, compa especially compared to LPL playoffs, where it was yeah, they, crazy, they you know, high pick ban rate. And I think it's really strong. I think the LPL teams have the right idea. Uh, but it, it hasn't been a priority here, even when teams are getting Maokai. Like, any LPL team would love to be able to, to get Maokai and then Jace, Maokai? For, and then Jace yeah. for free. Because Jace is free in these drafts, by the way, once you get the Maokai. Um... I, I, you know, KT, they wanted to play Keen on the Renekton. They were very cocky because Zayas had had a, an up and down kind of summer split so far. Zayas has performed really well so in the playoffs to this point in time. Um, did well against Doran as well, even though they lost that series. And I think Keen, it made sense because he was, uh, he was like 15, 14 and no, 15 and one on Renekton coming into this series in summer. 
And he he played three games here, and two of his three losses were were in this series on Renekton, and he picked up a win as well. So he's sixteen and and three now on the champion in summer. So I understand that this was their priority, but it, it did encourage me. And why I think KT will win the rematch is that when we when we saw the Hanwha series, it's like you're you're on tanks, Keen. Like just just do your job, and we're gonna win this, right? And so they kind of reverted to an entirely different style, which, as I said earlier in our Hanwa segment, was good into Hanwa. But Keen also played his first career game as Poppy in the in the Hanwa series. Never played Poppy top before and did a really good job on Poppy in the lane against Renekton and had a huge play at the Baron uh, to to help uh, KT win in game number two. So I, I don't know. I think like KT... Losing is probably good for them. I think they were really overconfident going into oh, the now, T1 now I know series. they're fucked. That's the same cope that I that I did with OMG. Now I know that it's <laughs> oh, like no. that's that's how you know a team a team is fucked when like somebody who supports them is like they're yeah fucked. they're like them losing was actually beneficial. It prepares them for the next series. It's just no, it's I I think they doomed. will be better. I think they will be better as a result of this loss. And I think they already were better versus Hanwha. And I just don't think they're gonna start slamming a million early Renekton picks, right? I mean, and just I think and Rumble at least like just ban yeah. rumble like it was just, cocky it was yeah. super cocky i don't know it, it's very weird like the pride the, also like they just they aren't the nico nocturne team like if you're playing versus faker don't you just ban nico like every game like i would just ban it every game and be like fuck it like or just ban the nocturne whatever i mean they ended up doing that in the series but do something to remove the the nico nocturne combo and have that be your advantage in the series rather than uh just like trying to play it yourself like taking it away from them it's like dude that's not how the team even plays like bdd doesn't want to have to be like the guy like flash engaging into the team like he was fine at like annie doing it but it, it like even the way they played nico nocturne it didn't feel like there was much like synergy between the nico and the nocturne it just felt like they were just you know like going in at times where even though the darkness is applied Everyone knows that the Nico is ulting anyway, so they're just preparing the same way. They're like walking away from it, and then you know they get re-engaged on afterwards. It just felt wrong, um, and I would say that that was also BDD's worst individual game was the Nico game he played. So, yeah, yeah, I, I would just say they just need to they just need to draft in a way where they're able to just play their game. And I don't I don't even mind Renekton with Draven. It's not like Renekton can't play weak side. Renekton can sure. like obviously you're not going to get a, a lead versus the Jacks. But you can, like, if you're Draven's ahead, the lead doesn't matter. It's like they didn't try anything. Like, where was... Your, so your mid is winning, right? BDD is solo killing enemy mid. Where was go the four-man bot, bot play? Yeah, where is the four-man bot play? Like, I, I don't know what... Like, this has to happen. If you're playing Draven, you need to four-man bot at some time. Like, obviously, in certain games, you can three-man bot. You can level three, go with your jungler and try something. That's obviously an option. But... Where was the four-man bot? Like, when your mid is winning, it's so free. Faker is, like, TPing mid. He's getting shit on. Like, he's never there uh, for... Like, he's having to catch all the waves under his turret. Just send the Trist bot at some point. There's, It's a cleanse Kaisa under the turret. It's a cleanse Kaisa you have a Draven. This guy, like, can't live. Well, a lot to look forward to here in the rematch of T1 versus KT. But if you want a refresher and a palette cleanser there... You got yourself the certified banger of the week. Their first match on the upper side of the bracket. Another one that you could take a peek at here for the certified banger was the match after that. T1 and Gen G. Uh, not the Gen G upper bracket final match that we thought they were going to have. We thought it was going to be KT, especially if you're Monty, but still <laughs> ended up being a five game series here, Monty. 
Yeah. I, look, you know, Doran, I think, had a really rough series. And this is why we're concerned about Genji, not only domestically, but on the international stage as well. Because even if they do have some really sharp macro moments and we have some really strong players like Chovy on this roster, having to play from behind frequently with Doran is going to be a big problem. And this is why I just don't think Genji is going to win this split. Um, I, I think, you know, KT is, is the better team. And I think T1 also, as we saw in this series, has an outside shot to beat them just based on some of the gameplay that was occurring. But also there were some inexplicable decisions by T1, such as why are we playing Vayne and Desiree, right? Why are we, why are we doing these things um, that make it really, really difficult for us? Faker had a very rough series on the Azir. And especially once Chovy started busting out the Yone, which is a champion that we know Chovy plays. And we also know that Chovy has weird Yone builds. I mean, he, he used to play like the Sunfire Yone last year. Uh, now he's on fucking like Blade of the Ruin King, Bloodthirster, even Shroud Yone, which, you know, if you've got a Zeri and a Gangplank on your team and you're applying these debuffs can be i guess good and he's just kind of fucking annoying dealing a million true damage while lifesteal tanking in the front line so it, you know genji i think by hard winning out through the mid lane and and having so much crowd control and opening up the carry potential particularly of pays on on zeri and Aphilios in this series made it you know made it into a, a genji win yeah i mean i i agree with with that assessment i think Genji in general, like they should just be a, a better team. Um, I like what they did in game one with the Lulu pick. It's something that I've been talking about for a while is now everyone is just one twoing Alistar out of nowhere. And Lulu was like, look, Lulu got nerfed. But if you look at the nerfs, it, it's not bad now versus Alistar and Braum. Like these champions are actually just like fucking useless, right? So like, I mean, they're useless in the lane phase most of the time. Like you should be able to generate an advantage with the Lulu pick. So I like that Delight is willing to play that created a, an interesting dynamic in draft throughout the series where they had to be conscious, ban it out, etc. T1 had to, to play around it. Um, and then I just thought the Yone pick was played really well by Chovy. If you watch Chovy in these fights, like what I was saying when I was watching the games is it feels like he always has Q3 up. He always has Q3, whether he's like farming a wave and like he needs to escape or, you know, before he enters the fight, it feels like he always has Q3. So it was nice to watch, uh, watch Chovy play. I felt like Chovy just... He looked like he outclassed Faker over the course of the series. So then, question here. It's just Gen G going all the way here. It's Gen G championship yet again. Yes? No, KT. Oh. I think I think I think KT, once they once having watched the Hanwa games and the bounce back, and because we've seen KT bounce back pretty well uh when they've when they've lost earlier, and I do think that a lot of the T1 loss was some really big cockiness. They're going to retool their drafts. They're going to play a, bit, a little bit more conservatively, I think. And they still have the tools to beat Genji. I mean, Keen, we know he can show up in big games. And to Dom's point earlier, he has been very consistent. And it was surprising for them to assume that Zayas was going to be in a terrible form, uh, which I guess, you know, he was at times this split. But his ceiling is so much higher than Doran's that, you know, maybe you don't intentionally walk into these awful matchups 
right? Yeah. And 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 then on top of that, he also didn't have to die as much as he did. It's not like the matchup caused him to die like seven times in some of these games. It was also just well, playing bad. His jungler also fucked him. Like his jungler was like, "Here, have some free double buffs." Oh, now I'm down. <laughs> yes, late. I can't even. That was very you. sad. Like, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Like that is one where like if if you do that in solo queue, you will look. Let me tell you, I've jungled for solo queue in 13 years. If you do what Cuz did in solo queue, you will be called a slur multiple (laughs) times, guaranteed. (laughs) Just no. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't helping. Um, and I, I, you know, I also just don't think we're gonna see a lot of the risks like the the attempted level one all in in game two, which was just ridiculous. Um. Now, the the counter argument is we're probably also not going to see T1 take some of the risks um, like we saw with Zayas in game one and make some of these mistakes, right? It just felt like a sloppy and loose series, and it didn't really feel very appropriate to the current meta, especially with a lot of what was going on in bot lane. Like, there was a bunch of weird shit that happened in bot lane with both KT and T1 over the course of this series. Like... There was a lot of Draven bans, which is necessary against you, Gumusian. Aiming is a good Draven player. He's carried games in the past, so it's still kind of on the fringe looking in. Like, we have a Galio pick in the bot lane where they try and, you know, KT's trying to hit the Wombo combo of Nocturne turns off the lights, Nico ults, Galio ults, and then Jax jumps in with Counter-Strike, right? Like, that's what they're trying to do. And they weren't super good about doing that. (laughs) So it felt experimental in many ways. And I think that probably both teams are going to iron out the kinks that we saw in this series. All right. Your certified bangers of the week to set you up for the future bangers that are left here. Uh, Two matches left in the LCK, two matches left in the LCS and a whole plateful of LEC left for you. I guess it only starts with two matches for them, but then next week it'll be a whole lot more. Um, All right, y'all, another episode of Power Spike done and dusted. Thank you so much for tuning on in. Make sure if you haven't already, please go like our socials, subscribe to our channels, whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on TikTok, on Instagram, uh, and get those little tidbits of knowledge to brighten your day. I, I'm constantly seeing the culture stuff pop up, Monty, and it's it is very fun to just like be like, all right, <laughs> we're getting know. there, guys. We're getting there. The, the, I mean, the, the only the, thing is that you make me not want to watch the shows that that you. That you <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so yes, that is the correct answer, but it is funny to laugh at them, Dom. In the same way that watching clips of LCS makes me not oh, want to watch no, LCS. I mean, that's what you did, <laughs> man. We had to do it, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, if you have the right commentary, if you have a lot of Dom flame around the LCS, it becomes entertaining, right? In the same way that if you flame how bad The Witcher is, uh, then it becomes more entertaining. Or especially Secret Invasion. Holy shit, that show is bad. Uh, but we we have some more, you know, if you watch Foreplay, uh, we actually like those movies. So it's fun because we're talking about good movies and you've seen some, you know, clips from the thing pop off. But yeah, the culture content's doing incredibly well. And on, on I never Instagram knew I would want to watch Foreplay between Monty <laughs> Thorin and Richard Lewis. But here we are. 2023 Dom, is the new year. Um, everyone would curiosity click that link. That link doesn't remain blue for anybody, even if you don't want to see it. <laughs> So should I transition to OnlyFans? Is that what you're telling me, Monty? Show the IWD to the world. I think you, I'm 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 down, man. Okay, I, you just got to go into the BDSM, then it all makes sense. Everybody, everybody clicks on that link. 
<laughs> IWDSM. There we go. I got that. <laughs> all right. I that devolved really quickly. I just wanted to pat us on the back for doing a good job, and then all of a sudden we started talking about patting other things. Let's get out of here. We'll see you guys <laughs> next week for another episode of Power Spike. See ya. <laughs>